0: This is the Rich Lawyer Podcast. We talk to rich lawyers, brainstorm ideas, and separate the facts from the fiction so that you can forge your own rich path. In today's world where we have instant access to countless lifestyles, there's no reason to settle for anything less than being rich with a purpose. So tune in for unfiltered conversations and practical strategies to help you skip the unhappy broke part and jump straight to the rich part because your richest life is your best life. Welcome to the Rich Layer Podcast. I'm Athena Rodriguez and this is still the only podcast that helps you uncover the path towards becoming a rich lawyer by living on purpose because rich is a feeling first, you know, it's on purpose, it's by design and it's with intention rather than by accident or by someone else's rules that don't make sense for the life that you want. And it really does begin with figuring out how to be the best version of yourself that can go on to do the things that you're meant to do better than anyone else because that's where the rich life is at why well don't you want to be a rich lawyer you know the one with a really good life that you designed yourself are free to operate where you fit best with access to anything that you want it's possible and you know it because that's why you're here and you can have anything that you want in this life just not all of it all at once so choose wisely choose to be a rich lawyer And on that note, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Rich Lawyer Podcast. I know that it's only been five minutes since the last one. Welcome. So I woke up a couple of days ago and I realized that I didn't have to go to class. I didn't have to do any reading. I didn't have to work on any assignments. Exam period is over. And so I asked myself, what do we get to do today that Will take us closer to living that rich lawyer life you know there's nothing stopping us except me except us so this, this question actually evolved into quite a lengthy monologue that i'm going to share with you today and if you've listened to this podcast before you might feel that at times maybe all the time uh, the types of conversations that we have on here might seem a bit abstract and this one is not an exception however I'm gonna try my best to weave in a few concrete examples. Can't make any promises, but essentially the promise, the, the, the premise of this podcast is to provide meaningful and useful insights that are going to help us avoid the trap. And you know what the trap is because there are lawyers all over Australia and around the world that are miserable lawyers and they're not rich in a sense that their life is not what they what they wish it was. You know, there are plenty of wealthy and and rich lawyers out there but there seems to be far more unhappy ones and this is evident by the number of companies organizations and coaches out there that their sole purpose is to help get these unhappy lawyers back on track living their best lawyer lives or just doing a different type of work altogether and just because this This occurrence, this like phenomenon is, has been somewhat normalized to, you know, to the extent that it's okay to, it's okay to hate being a lawyer because you can always quit and it's just a fact of life. It's just a fact of becoming a lawyer. It doesn't mean that you have to become one of those facts and it it doesn't mean that that's all you have to look forward to if you, if you decide to become a lawyer. You know, that the type of lawyer that we're not going to become is a broke, unhappy lawyer. Also if you don't want to become a lawyer don't study law. You know if you're not enjoying what you've been exposed to so far it's not going to get any better and if you're not actively trying to figure out whether you would like working as a lawyer we'll touch more on that later um, that's your full-time job. You know a law degree is not a generalist degree that's going to expose you to other industries and while it does teach you to be analytical on many levels, it's not a degree that alone is going to allow you to do anything that you want and I just had to say that because I've met loads, I've met loads of people, loads of colleagues, classmates who aren't sure why they're studying law, you know, they're just going to wait and see what happens, you know, Um, because somewhere out there there's someone who's going to give them a chance but that's broke lawyer stuff. So that said, becoming a broke lawyer is also the easiest type of lawyer to become because it requires it requires very little effort up front. You know, you just have to do what everyone else is doing, more or less. Uh, put in minimal effort into your coursework, get the marks that you need to at least pass, and eventually someone will hire you to do some legal work that's probably not going to pay you enough in the way that you need to be paid or want to be paid so that you can pay for your stuff. You know, and you're going to need lots of stuff to distract you from how miserable you're about to become and will undoubtedly be until you just can't anymore. And then you'll be asking yourself how that happened and you won't be sure of how you'll ever get out. But the good news is that even if that is what happens for you, once you do start to practice as a lawyer, once you become a lawyer, um, it's fixable, like we can fix this. And if you're honest about wanting to make change and live in a way that's good for you, then you have a wealth of resources out there to help you. And we're lucky, we're lucky to have the internet. However, rather than taking that route, let's consider another option, you know, the rich lawyer option. And I know that probably sounds cringe but that doesn't matter cringe wins so the rich lawyer option is where you take some time to think about the type of life that you want to live who and what you want to be in that life you know there are people out there people out there there are loads of people out there who are living their best lives while getting to do what what they want to do while continuously while, while continuing to consistently work hard to do that. But I'm not saying that just because you you dream the life, you make an action plan and actually take some action to make that a reality for you that you're gonna experience success straight away. You know, it's a, it's a process of trial and error. It applies to anything in life, but it's a, it's a process of trial and error of figuring out which systems and techniques work for you. So here's an example. I wanna work in IP. You know, intellectual property. And I already know that that area of law interests me because I've taken the steps to rule out other practice areas with close to 100% certainty. Can it be 100% because I'm not there yet, but the, there's so many different areas of law that it seems like it might be impossible to, to figure out which area is for you because what we learn at law school, it's has very little resemblance to what practicing the law is actually like. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to come out and say that directly, it's something that you kind of realize at one stage or another, but they're two separate things. Learning to be, being a good law student and learning how to be a good lawyer, those are two separate things. But there there are loads of law students who are attracted to like studying commercial commercial law for many reasons, and because of that, the path is set out for us. And it's mostly it's mostly because there has been there's been a, a power shift. You know, all firms have more than enough applicants to choose from, um, and all these applicants have little to minimal practical legal experience. So they can they can afford to be selective. They don't lose anything. Their reputation is not damaged. Uh, because they've hired a, a handful less of, of graduate lawyers. But th- that's, there's, a, there's a traditional path. So what well, we all come to discover at one point or another that the most popular stream is through uh, a clerkship or a graduate program. Typically one leads to the other. So the, t- the typical advice um, to have like, the best chances of succeeding there is get decent marks, You know, be involved in extracurriculars, specifically Law Society and MOOC competitions and gain some experience working in uh, a legal environment, if not some other type of working environment. And if you do do those things, there's still no guarantee that you're going to be chosen because there are plenty of other people doing exactly the same thing. So my issue is that I'm not interested in what being involved in Law Society and MOOC competitions actually involves and i'm not particularly interested in legal in in paralegal work either so i said to myself i was like there has to be there has to be another way like there has to be more than one way so the the way that i'm approaching this is that if i were the one doing the interviewing and reading the cvs would i stand out you know would i seem like a multifaceted and interesting person that might be worth interviewing and pleasant to work with. But what I want to work with me? You know, what, what I want to interview me? You know, I've, I have scoured the depths of the internet, like looking for examples of, of cover letters and CVs, you know, from other law students who are in exactly the same, similar position. And it made me feel sleepy. It made me feel sleepy to read the same thing over and over again. And it made me feel a little bit scared, you know, it's like, as if these students were and I'm not criticizing them, but I'm, this is just an observation, you know, it was, it was as if these students were doing these things just to have something to put on their TV, and the competition is only that fierce because we're just like everyone else, you know, offering the same things, telling the same stories. And on top of all of this, it's very much a game It is 100% a lottery. You know, you can do all of the right things and still not be selected because there's so many other people who have done exactly the right thing and still not selected. There's no, there is no winning formula. There's a losing formula, but there is no winning formula. So the, and the interviewing panel or persons doing the interview, they know this. And us as law students and future lawyers, we know this too. So I've listened to quite a few podcasts Uh, mostly geared geared towards um, American law students, specifically ones that are hosted by ex hr professionals and university, like the admissions staff uh, for the law schools. And I found that the, the podcast hosts were more inclined to sort of express their sort of unfiltered opinion because they represent their own companies. You know, they don't work for the university or another company anymore um so what these companies do is they kind of offer services to students who are in the in the process of applying for for legal jobs like throughout their studies and also at the end of at the end of their degree and the the market is it's very different in america but i've i have is i have observed a few interesting things the main thing that i noticed is like the the main theme that tied all these episodes together was that HR professionals and the people who will be doing the interviewing they're humans you know they're people too they gossip just like everyone else they talk about their work when they go home just like everyone else Um, so if they think that you're not a good human or you are boring they will talk about you when they go home they'll talk about you to their friends they'll tell everyone and the flip side of that is if you're amazing, they will also tell everyone. It makes their day interesting. So it's better to be find ways to be interesting. And that's part of the winning that's part of the winning formula. So the second theme that I noticed is as everyone has already said, you need to be, you need to be yourself. Like don't pretend to be a fictional version of yourself. Be yourself, but the, the best version of yourself, the most interesting version of yourself. You know, it's it's obvious when like an applicant is they're like involved in activities for the sake of just having to put something on 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 their CV. But if you're not interested in joining law society or competitions, then don't do those things because they're going to make you unhappy and it's going to show up in your work. Also, you're going to be taking the opportunity away from someone else who actually really does like those things. So if you're not interested in paralegal work, don't do paralegal work. You know, it's, it's, it's important to keep in mind that when you do take on paid, like paid work, employment, like during your studies, you have to treat it like a job and your employer will treat you like an employee. Your job comes first in most cases, and you have to be prepared to find ways to manage your time and your studies without killing yourself. You know, that, that that firm or organization that you're working for is a business and their main priority is to serve their clients and make money not nurture our career or help us develop as a human being but it's shifting a little bit but for the most part that like their main priority is to make is to serve their clients and to make money Uh, so from my perspective if you do need to work or you choose to work everyone's different uh while you're a student Getting legal experience is the best, it's the best type of experience, but any other type of job that requires you to be part of a team and like take directions from others and interact with people appropriately, it's it's just as good. And firms have made this clear. If you've attended all of like the career development webinars you've gone to, to talks uh, by the firms, they've, they've made it clear. Other types of work experience can also make a great story, you know? It helps you present yourself as a good candidate for whatever job that you're going for. So another observation that I made is that in law school, there's there's like a subset of students who are already working full-time in a law firm, usually as a paralegal or a clerk, and their hope is that this firm is gonna hire them once they have finished their degree, I don't know, it's two, three, five years from now, and these students, uh, it, they're not able to prioritize their studies and they have very average marks. I guess marks on everything, it depends on ultimately what you, what you want to do in the future. Which is another reason why you should be mapping out where you want to go. Because depending on what you do decide that you would like to do, marks are just one part of the equation. So, but this particular subset of, of students, they miss a lot of classes. They come late, they leave early. And this is just my own personal opinion. It's just an observation. But if I were already working in a law firm full-time, I probably would not want to work at that law firm after my degree because I know that I could do better. So, and whatever practice area that I was involved in, most likely would be 1% of what's available for me to explore as a career, such a, such a small area. And I'd also feel like a sense of obligation towards reaching my full potential to go, to go and explore something else. So whatever type of work that I'd be able to do full time at a law firm before qualifying to actually be able to practice and give legal advice is likely to be of lower value, in my opinion, unless you're absolutely certain that that's the area that you want to go in, that's a different that's a different route. That's the best position to be in. But if you're just sticking with that job, whatever whatever the practice area is, because you're afraid that you won't be able to find another job, that is a winning formula for ending up broke and unhappy, a broke, unhappy lawyer. So once you have a degree and you're admitted, you can do what you want. You know, there, there are dozens of ways to work as a lawyer outside. Of the top six firms, you know it might not seem that way, but there are. So going back to my decision to to work in IP, it's like how I figured this out was through the reason that I decided to study law in the first place. You know, it, it wasn't because I experienced or I witnessed like an injustice somewhere to the extent that I, I felt the compulsion that. I needed to be a lawyer so that I could make certain wrongs right on a, a person-to-person level. You know, we, we all have these experiences, but not everyone feels compelled to be on the other side of them in, in, in a professional capacity. So my segue into the law was through a, a company liquidation um, as an employee when I was a chef, and I became interested in the work that the, the lawyers were doing. And what really affected me the most was that the business and the legal problems that were the reasons why the, why the why the restaurant failed, it was like they were outside of the scope of my knowledge and it frustrated me, you know? It was like what frustrated me even more was, was that all of the legal issues that could have been prevented in the restaurant, uh, that they, they could have been prevented if they had consulted a lawyer sooner, than just trying to DIY everything and that was my introduction to to what I thought business lawyers did probably in hindsight it's uh probably not a business lawyer but um on a practical level um something that anyone can do is go to forge theforge.com and do a free virtual work experience I'll leave the the link in the notes below um but it's a good way it's a good way to get like an insider's perspective on different types of work that you could be doing as a senior lawyer in any firm or organization. So let's talk about Forge um, for a second because when I first discovered uh, these these virtual work experiences, I felt cheated a little bit and upset. Uh, now my opinion has changed, but I've done three of these so far and I think that the way that they're advertised makes it seem it makes it seem misleading and a little bit deceptive I don't know if the way they're promoted now has changed but if you have already gone online and you've typed in work experience remote work experience, virtual work experience they will come up. So what it actually is it's not a live sort of remote work experience where you interact with real people it's more of a series of simulated work, projects that you might encounter as an employee, not just in law, but like in a broad range of like well known international companies, both in Australia and, and and overseas. So there are these sort of pre recorded modules and it has comes with instructions on how to complete like certain types of, of client work. The a range of of industries that you can you can choose from. So the the idea here is basically to help you sort of get a glimpse of what the more senior staff get to do all day in an office rather than just basing your idea on what you see on television or what law school tells you or what any what any law firm uh, website tells you so when I was studying accounting at business school um, before I went to law school I felt that I wanted to go into tax so I did one of these, one of these work experiences with, uh, KPMG, uh, one of the, one of the big accounting firms, cause that's where I wanted to work. So I was like, Oh, we'll, we'll, see what it's like. And I also thought that maybe there was a part of me that wanted to do like get into management consulting because who doesn't, um, uh, also at an accounting firm. And so I signed up with another project through Accenture. And all of the big firms and companies have programs on, on Forge. So there's a, there's, a wide, there's a wide variety if you're, if you're curious. Um, so I only, com- I only completed 25% of the consulting uh, experience because the actual work, like the actual modules, I found it extremely boring. Um, I did not care about the type of client problem and I did not care. About how to use project management, like project management techniques, and what I did, what I've realized in in my research is that as a junior consultant, you don't get to choose what you work on. So you need to have a more higher level interest in consulting in general. And I realized that about myself, I just, I just don't. I like specific things, and that's what I want to work on. Um, of course, in the beginning, I'm flexible. I know that it's a privilege to work your way up to working on things that you enjoy, but management consulting, not for me, at least not now. So I've also done another one with uh, the New South Wales government, which was really interesting. Uh, I got to work on two projects there. Um, I won't go into the details because it's a little bit boring, but um, it was just about how to, like how to source suppliers and providers for different government initiatives and how to essentially that's what it is i won't go into it it's a little bit boring um but if, if i wasn't to if i wasn't already set on becoming a lawyer um specifically doing like multinational work i would definitely apply for uh one of the graduate government graduate programs but the the most interesting virtual work experience that i've done was in mergers and acquisitions with an American law firm. And I got to learn about contract review software, like what redlining is and how to research like different types of legislation and regulations that might get in the way or slow down or prevent an uh, M&A sort of event process from happening. You know, at, at the time I found it, I found it really challenging to, to understand like what any of that stuff was. I'm um, still like my was still my first semester of law school, and I was like contract review software. It's like I thought that that was you know that's something that it's something that like junior lawyers get to do. So the, it was about the the company specific software that they use for that, also software to make the legal uh, due diligence process way faster. Um, how to research like U.S. legislation, uh, and looking back on that experience, I can say that I think it would be interesting it would be very interesting to, to be involved in that type of work. It seems very admin heavy, but it's still very fascinating. And I will say that across all the experiences that you'll have to do in any of these, these, um, these modules, they're not easy and they will take you a few hours to figure out how to even, how to even approach each task. So it's, I think in that way, it resembles like being thrown into the deep end of any type of work, like in everyday work as a seen at a senior level so when i was doing these i spent a lot of time on google and youtube trying to figure out how to how to do these tasks so you like if you want to get the most out of it like it's free it's something that you do in your spare time um to get the most out of it like try and complete each task the best that you can you upload it and in uploading it you're able to to download a model answer and i think that the most rewarding part was to get to see whether I was on track or not. You get to compare your work to like the model answer. And obviously, like, I don't know what it means still to like give advice on contract changes or negotiation, but just like reading the model answers really helped me understand like what I was meant to be doing and also what I will be capable of doing um, if I stay on track. So at the end of the program, you get to download like a digital, a digital certificate and you get to put it on your LinkedIn page. Which is pretty cool and uh, you put it in the volunteering section and you can put it on your cv as well if you haven't got much to put on there i still don't have loads um, of relevant experience in anything legally related so i've put two of those online and the cool part is that i can confidently talk about what i learned uh, like through researching how to do the tasks and whether i can see myself doing these tasks as, as an associate lawyer So it might seem like a silly thing to do, but as I said, when you're looking to make a good impression, you need to have something to talk about in an interview. Like this is how I turned my internship into an actual job, still as a law student. So I have been, and also in doing these these short sort of work experiences, I've been able to confirm that I do have a keen interest in commercial law, specifically contracts, and I want to learn more about how... um, we use software for drafting and review. So many things to learn. So through my criminal law classes and assignments, I have been able to confirm that I have no interest in becoming a criminal lawyer. Um, I did receive a really good mark in the class, in both classes, uh, criminal procedure and criminal law, just because I was generally interested in, in like learning about like what that area of law is about. But... I cannot see myself um, solving people problems um, on such an acute level. It's not that I don't care about it, it's just that I don't need to get paid to do that type of work. Um, So I've since transferred law schools. uh, But last year, I got to go to a presentation by a magistrate judge and his associates. And the associates gave the research associates, I think that's what they're called, um, they gave a very cute presentation about their, their daily work and it sounded so boring. So boring to me. Yeah, I could not put myself in their shoes and imagining like doing that work all day. Not even in like a really great tailored suit and Chanel loafers. They were very enthusiastic about their work, which was really helpful. And the judge was a great speaker. like I could have listened to him speak about anything for hours. Um, but I felt sad for a few seconds, you know, imagining myself, imagining forcing myself to do that type of work just because I wanted to, you know, to impress someone and then going on to cry on the inside um, for the rest of my time as, as an associate. Um, but on a, on a very, you know, superficial level, um, you want to become a lawyer so that on, on a superficial level, if you want to become a lawyer so that you can make loads of money, choose a practice area that is going to allow you to do that because you find it interesting. You know, this applies to anything in life. If you're interested in something, like genuinely, and you can get paid to do that thing, you'll be astronomically better and you'll be able to go for longer than someone who is just there for the money or for the social clout or for the prestige. Um, it's very much akin to choosing to become a legal aid lawyer because you think it makes you look good as a person that cares about improving social welfare when you really don't as much. Um, I'm not sure how long you would last practicing, practicing law in a way that doesn't appeal to you. I think it's a quick way to hate yourself very quickly. So this episode began actually with the the question that i asked myself and the affirmation that there's nothing standing in my way from becoming a lawyer and living a rich life you know the only thing standing in my way is me so more accurately it's my thoughts so i remember a few a couple it was a couple maybe three jobs ago when i was asked to join the manager for a meeting in the middle of the restaurant because the restaurant didn't have an office. So they tended to do paperwork uh, in the dining room. And I knew that this meeting was not going to end well. Uh, a couple days, a couple days uh, before this meeting, there was an incident in the kitchen for which I was blamed. Uh, I was blamed for what happened. Uh, when what really happened was I had been thrown under the bus and that's okay. Sometimes I understand that sometimes you have to protect yourself and protecting yourself sometimes comes at the expense of others. I understand that. I accepted the responsibility for the outcome because I was there um, and I wanted to keep my job as well. And in doing that, in accepting responsibility and apologizing for something that I didn't do, that's another story, um, this person said to me, that he paid me enough to be able to do my job better and that I should remember that I'm not the boss. When in fact, this person did not pay me enough, was consistently underpaid. But that's also another story. But anyways, so I remember in that moment that I wanted to overturn the table. I wanted to overturn the entire table and I wanted to quit on the spot because I was only at that job because I needed it. If I was, if I would have been in Australia, I would have quit that job on the spot, but I was overseas. So my, my work visa at the time, um, it was tied, my residence visa was tied to that job and I couldn't just go find another one. Um, but rather than just dream about being able to work anywhere else, rather than where I was, I took some time, a lot of time to think about the full picture, you know, the whole picture. Not just getting another job. Not just moving into another industry or another country, but become a different type of person who could have and do different things. That was well over three years ago, probably more like four. But looking back there, you know, the only thing that's missing now from the rich lawyer life is the lawyer bit. And a, a little bit more of the rich part. Um, but... The, the only things that are standing in my way and also in your way, in our way, are the people, you know, who make it a point to, to tell us that you can't, you can't, because you're not following the path that most people follow Is like, you should be doing that thing over there because that's what, typically that's what people do if they want to accomplish uh, X, Y, Z. So all I've been able to notice is that most people don't have what they want. Most people are not living the life that they want, where they get to do more of what they like and less of what they don't like. So, why would you do what most people are doing unless that's what you really want? You know, because unhappiness only really comes up when you don't have what you want or you don't want what you have. So, if you don't want to join a law society, or work as a paralegal, or do an honours thesis, then don't do those things. Life, life continues, life will go on. But figure out what your alternatives are and go do those things. And do those things well and do them because you want to. You know, with that said, whichever path you take, um, you will still have to do loads of things that you really don't want to do, but that's temporary. That's, that's involved in, in any type of endeavour if you want to go from 0 to 11. There will be loads of things that you don't want to do, but those are the things that you have to do in order to get what you want. So to go on holiday, to go on the holiday of your dreams, you still need to pack your bags. If you don't like packing, it's just something that needs to be done now so that you can go and enjoy your holiday later. So the the, the moral of this monologue is that if you believe that you can't have what you want you will most definitely not get what you want because you're standing in your own way so what have you done today to bring you closer to your rich lawyer life and the answer to this question can be something that you write down in in the notebook that you keep next to your bed because writing things down is what makes things happen if you don't believe that could possibly, if you don't believe that that could possibly be true, try this. Take a few moments to write down what you want your life to look like, how much money you earn, how you spend your money, how you feel about the work that you have to do so that you can earn that money or get to do, the types of conversations that you have, the types of people that you're surrounded with, you know, what you look like while you're having those conversations. In 2020, I wrote down that in 2023, my life would look a certain way. And I chose 2023 because at the time I was like, oh, so far away. You know, but by writing it down, I naturally started to think about how I could actually make that happen. Um, So I thought about what daily actions I would actually need to take, you know? And if if you take the time to write down what you want, so that you know what it looks like. You can't help but get curious, you know, as to how you can actually make that work. You know, there are people out there living the life that we only wish that we could have. You know, those people aren't special. Part of it is luck, but you're in control of the rest. You know, the the way that I get to live today is what twenty twenty, the twenty twenty version of me said was impossible. But I wrote it down anyways and I said, why not try? You know, and that's partly why I like this podcast idea, the premise of this podcast, you know, I get to share with you how anyone can go from where they are to where they want to be by first writing down what they want. Because it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's the principal first step. If you can't write down what you want, you don't know what you want. And if you don't know what you want, you wouldn't recognize it if someone gave it to you on a gold plate. You know, you could see that it's a gold plate but you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to tell the value of the thing that's resting on top of that plate so if you can't see what you want on paper you won't get what you want because you haven't decided what you want and only you can decide that for yourself so go on I dare you to try write it down and that's our time together for this episode and now you have one more way of looking at things to help us avoid being broke, to help us avoid broke lawyer stuff. And I really do hope that you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have, and that you feel confident that you can live the life that you want, the rich life, if you plan for it. So thank you for being here with me today. And I know that you'll be coming back again. And until then, remember that it's gonna be all right because you're going to be loyal, and you're going to be living your richest life. Bye, friends.